You are now leaving the USA. Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone declared in Seattle. The other day I talked about how the police retreated in Seattle, allowing protesters to take the East Precinct and form what they say is a six block radius, but it looks like it's actually seven. I don't know, whatever. They're there. I'm not. But it's expanding. They've actually printed out a legit street sign and hung it up. They're playing movies. They're bringing in food. And there are a bit of, I don't know, humorous absurdities as this all goes down and some scary developments like apparently the businesses are being forced to disaffiliate from the city, whatever that means. And about 500 people apparently live in this zone. Can't imagine all of them are happy, but there's some funny things going on. And more importantly, what is this? Will this be an armed takeover? The rise of the far left right now, it doesn't look like it. Initially, there were people wearing body armor. There were calls to get armed and that still exists. But this actually just looks like Occupy Wall Street. And that seems to be what it will probably become. Occupy Wall Street was allowed to exist. The police didn't really do anything. And the police here have backed off. So there's a lot of stuff going on as it pertains to the takeover and what this means for local businesses. Earlier in the day, I covered a story about a Sheraton hotel in Minneapolis that was basically taken over. And they claimed in their GoFundMe, which has raised over $100,000, the owner has graciously allowed them to, to occupy the building. Well, it turns out that's not the case. The owner has just ordered a mass eviction of all these people. So we're seeing quite a bit of developments as this story grows. So here's what I'm gonna do. Let's take a look at what's going on in the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, now officially called Chaz, which has its own hashtag on Twitter, and how, well, how politicians are kind of responding to this. It would seem that Republicans and Democrats alike are calling out the movement to defund the police, saying no. Even Bernie Sanders is straight up saying, like, I I do not agree with this, this rapid movement to abolish police. It would seem that most mainstream Americans are not in agreement with whatever it is these people are doing, but they will likely be allowed to continue doing it. I think it'll be an interesting experiment, but let's be honest. These people only exist due to the good graces of people around the country who entertain their live action role play. That's really what it is. They require donations. They require food. And in one hilarious tweet, one of the organizers complained that homeless people had actually stolen all of their food. So now they needed vegan meat substitutes. Perhaps this one will give you a laugh and maybe be a bit of a de-escalation in the fear as to what we thought was actually going down as I read some of these stories for you. Let's get started from heavy. You are now leaving the USA. Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone declared in Seattle. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. We got a PO box you can send stuff to, but the best thing you can do, share this video. I'm going to give you my view. Now, to be honest, I spent some time down during Occupy Wall Street, and I got to say, this looks a lot like that, and I think it'll end up being very similar. Might go on for a couple months. The police may try to come in and take some action. Protesters will show up. One of the things I think we'll see is there's probably a ton of leftists and far leftists who are, f- who are who are flocking to Seattle right now to get to the Chaz. They even have their own Wikipedia entry as of right now. And it apparently says they have like a government and a currency and a de facto currency, mind you. It's very interesting. I'd like to give you a perspective on this from uh, from me who is somewhat more of a neutral individual from Occupy Wall Street. Wasn't much, I, I don't have any, any condemnation for Occupy, wasn't a big supporter of it, but I was there and I can tell you what happened. 
and I can tell you what we see here. So if that's valuable and you think people should hear what I have to say, then please consider sharing this. Otherwise, just hit the subscribe button, the like button, the notification bell, and let's read the story from Heavy. Protesters in Seattle, Washington, declared an area that includes the Seattle Police Department East Precinct as the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone after Seattle Police and the National Guard pulled out of the region. The precinct building appears empty. Capitol Hill Seattle blog blog reported, and now the six block region has been declared autonomous. The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone isn't a legal region or recognized by any government. It's an unofficial name given by protesters who have vowed to keep the area peaceful. Here's what you need to know about the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. A sign on one of the blockades says you're now leaving the USA. Technically not true, but functionally, I would say it is true. Why? If you are the wrong type of person and you enter here, your rights are completely suspended. It's not an exaggeration. Some journalists tried to come in and film. It's one of the reasons why it's very difficult to actually get information on this on the story. I haven't seen a whole lot. There's some articles like this one, but some local journalists were just kicked out and told they weren't welcome. That's a suspension of the First Amendment. So arguably, yes, there's no one there to protect your rights, to enforce your rights. And as someone noted the other day, they're forcing businesses to disaffiliate from the city. Yeah, that doesn't sound like freedom. It sounds like occupation. But sure, let's read more. Here's a tweet from Armani. You are now leaving the USA. Long live the effing revolution, they said. Protesters unofficially created the six block Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone after police gave up their blockade out of the East Precinct. Capitol Hill, Seattle, uh, Capitol Hill, Seattle reported people were told as the police were leaving that they were free to stay in the area and protest. Law enforcement's pullback was a surprise to many. Musicians, activists, poets and many others are now gathered in the area. A sign on one of the blockades as you enter the area reads, you are now leaving the USA. Another sign reads Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Here we can see there are some photos. And there's this actually a quite humorous map that was created on the 8th. Now, apparently, they're, they're, the people have come out and said this map no longer represents what's actually going on. And it's considered to be quite silly. They were calling it the Capitol Hill Free Zone. We have regime occupied Safeway and regime encampment off Broadway. Well, let's, let's, let's read some more. On Twitter, Code Pink wrote, without the police, the zone has turned into a peaceful George Floyd memorial memorial filled with art, positivity, and love. To be fair, it's because they're not allowing dissent within this space. I, I, I'd be willing to bet if you showed up and you wore a MAGA hat, you would not be having a good time. So of course, when they create an ideologically homogenous space, don't be surprised when you're safe. Now, during Occupy Wall Street, I don't think you would have seen the same kind of animosity. If somebody of a differing opinion showed up, they'd have been left alone completely They'd have been given food, water, and hung out like normal. There were no real barricades and nothing really stopping anyone from walking in or out of the park in certain areas other than the actual structural structural obstructions. Now, there was internal politics, which is creepy and confusing. But what we saw with journalists at Occupy Wall Street is completely different to what we see with journalists here. During Occupy, journalists could freely move about the park, and it was encouraged. People were like, why don't you come in here and actually interview us so we can tell you? When the journalists wouldn't do that, they would actually just show up, plant a camera, film it, talk, and then leave. Activists that Occupy Wall Street created their own media and their own newspapers, their own live streams and things like that. So they were doing what they could to get the message out. In this regard, I would say it's more of, more likely going to be a hyper-filtered fake news propaganda type thing. Now, to be fair, the Occupy Wall Street content that was being produced was overt propaganda. They called it that. They even said they were the propaganda department. 
but they did want the media to come and talk to them so they could get their message out. Not the same here. I don't think they have the same tolerance for the media. They go on to say the first movie night has already been held in the zone, according to the Seattle Times. They played 13th, which Netflix called director Ava DuVernay's examination of the U.S. prison system and how the country's history of racial inequality drives the high rate of incarceration in America. We can see more photos and videos here. This person says, hello from the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, the former site of protests and police deployed uh, and police deployed tear gas. The Seattle PD's East Precinct, Precinct is boarded up and there were no uniformed officers in sight. In a tweet, Mayor Jenny Durkin said there are about 500 residential homes in the area. Some of the current neighbors and former neighbors have tweeted that they are excited about the zone. One person said, holy S, my neighborhood is now the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. This is absolutely amazing. The Autonomous Zone must hold. Rob Mucheri says there is a six block area in my neighborhood that is seceding from the U.S. Are words I never thought I would type here. Live action role play. Let's just uh, allow the children to have their, their fun time. huh? Let baby have their bottle. Well, they've created their own Wikipedia entry. How glorious for them. The Chaz. Here it says location, Seattle. Official languages, English, de facto. Government, self-declared anarchist commune and partially autonomous in, <laughs> into, what does it say? Intentional community. Establishment declared June 8th, 2020. The area is, <laughs> this is amazing. 0.036 kilometers squared. Membership 200. Currency US dollar de facto. Time UTC 7. Well, there you go. The territory. Let's read about the territory. The zone is concentrated around the East Precinct building. It stretches from north to east, uh, stretches north to East Olive Street, east to 13th, south to East Pike, and west to Nagel Place. The southern half of Cal Anderson Park falls inside the zone, while the northern half is contested. Contested by who? Local residents? There's no police there. You know what, man? Maybe the cops realized we got a bunch of bored LARPers. Give them their live action role play space so they can sit around, watch movies and dance around and get donations and eat food. It's really what it is. Now, I got to admit, some of it is pretty cool. If you look at this from the lens of it's just, you know, people who are bored trying to play make believe, then it's actually kind of funny that they've created this autonomous zone and they're calling the park contested when they could literally just walk into it. Nothing would happen unless I don't know. Maybe there are cops there. But check this out. In this video, we can see Chaz road signs have been successfully installed. And we can see here in this video, they're actually drilling and it says alternate route exit 1312 free Capitol Hill. What does it say on it? Contested? Oh, no, no. It says last exit. Now they're all cheering and celebrating. They've set this place up. So congratulations. Now, it's not just about the free, uh, the free zone, the autonomous zone. Protesters also stormed Seattle, uh, Seattle City Hall the other day. In this story from Kiro 7, they say hundreds of protesters made their way from Capitol Hill to Seattle Hall, uh, Seattle City Hall on Tuesday evening. Earlier in the day, a rally was held by Seattle City Council member Kashama Sawant, which started at the East Precinct at Cal Anderson Park on Capitol Hill. Sawant called the accountability from uh, called for accountability from the city. If Mayor Jenny Durkin refuses to step down, I will introduce articles of impeachment. Before 9 p.m., a group of protesters marched to City Hall in downtown Seattle and went inside the building. It's unknown how the hundreds of people gained access to the building. Apparently, someone let them in. Now, now I am taking this all rather lightly, to be honest, because I've seen Occupy Wall Street. I was down there, and I don't expect this to actually expand in any meaningful way. 
But I do think it would be important for us to pay attention to this and see how this how this grows, if it grows and what their continued actions will be. Right now, I have to wonder what's stopping them from actually expanding their borders. According to some of the maps that people have published, they are actually expanding. Heavy says people are creating maps of the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. We have the old one, but in some of them, they point out certain areas that are deemed expansion zones. Here we can see the green in this map is the current zone. The yellow is the expansion zones. And we can see their expansion zones all over the surrounding area, which means it's very likely that they're going to expand this territory. Occupy Wall Street was specifically at the one park. The protesters tried to go out and go to Wall Street. This is different. These are people who have previously called to take up arms, put on body armor and defend the barricades. If they really do intend to expand, which I don't see why they wouldn't, this, is a, this has a potential to become something extremely disturbing. The police will likely come in and sweep them out no matter what happens. But if people really do take up arms and say no, well, then I don't imagine how this ends with anything other than a shootout unless they just allow this to go on for as long as possible. The issue is what we're seeing here, in my opinion, won't fizzle out like Occupy Wall Street did. Occupy Wall Street was a bunch of bored college kids. These people have taken it a step further, and we have seen a dramatic escalation of street violence over the past several years. That being said, it's possible that those who do take up arms and wear body armor and show up have no intention of leaving and will receive substantial funding. There are people across this country who are absolutely willing to fund something like this. It may just be all silly. It may be kids who eventually get bored. The economy, the economy may reopen and people probably don't like sleeping outside. But the main difference between this and Occupy is they have buildings to occupy. They have an empty police department. They can easily go into any one of these homes and have a place to shower and sleep and have access to legitimate resources. They can set up GoFundMes and get legitimate funding. And then more people from across the country who hold these views will centralize in this area. So we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see how things play out. But I want to visit another story to show you how things could actually play out in other areas. This is something I covered in an earlier segment. So for those listening on the podcast, you're probably going to get an outdated segment moving forward because I do have uh, some more context as to what's going on. Support the Minneapolis Sanctuary Hotel, says GoFundMe. First and foremost, this shows you how these people will absolutely receive funding. We can see that many of the, the donations are listed as anonymous. Though many people have put their real names, a lot of the top donations are just anonymous. Though some people actually, you know, our organizations, political action funds or otherwise, a lot of anonymous contributions. The, the, the Minneapolis Sanctuary Hotel apparently no longer exists. They say this. They, uh, people during the protest on May 29th finally found refuge in a hotel a few blocks away. Throughout the night, people came, uh, came in with harrowing stories of terror from police and other white supremacists. The National Guard shot rubber bullets at our community members who stood outside to protect the building. So much of our beloved Lake Street burned around us. The next morning, we learned the hotel owners planned to evacuate. But so much of the community was still in need of shelter. With the owners' gracious support, people stepped forward and created a mutual aid community care system. In less than 24 hours, we housed nearly 200 people and are now organizing meals, first aid, and harm reduction services security teams, and housekeeping to make a home for people in need of uh, in need during the worst pandemic in recent history. I do not believe any of these people actually care about that, the pandemic. They're using this to tug on heartstrings to gain some kind of public support. 
Certainly in this photo from people chanting, whose city hall, our city hall. None of these people actually care about social distancing. Look, a lot of them are wearing masks, but they'd be wearing masks anyway because they're actively engaging in, you know, I guess we'll call it civil disobedience, but I think it expands much beyond that. Now, here's the point I want to make where I bring these ideas together. As it turns out, the homeless are being evicted from this Sheridan hotel. A report of drug overdose led to the eviction Tuesday of more than 200 homeless people from a hotel in South Minneapolis that had become a refuge during protests that erupted in the wake of George Floyd's killing in police custody. They mentioned the GoFundMe. They mentioned all the money raised and they mentioned the people had been evicted. It turns out that the guy who owns it was absolutely having none of this. Residents of the former Sheraton Minneapolis Midtown Hotel, tucked just north of Lake Street and Chicago Avenue, awoke to reports that the hotel's fire alarm was pulled after 6 a.m. following an overdose. The hotel owner, Jay Patel, has ordered the eviction of all guests, according to volunteers at the site. The sudden eviction marks the second time in two weeks that large numbers of homeless people have been forced to vacate a temporary site and could hamper efforts by a team of volunteers to find them more permanent housing. The coronavirus pandemic has brought a heightened level of urgency to these efforts. Homeless outreach workers fear that people who are cleared repeatedly from the shelters and other sites will scatter and become more difficult to reach without aid. Well, they said in their GoFundMe that brought in $155,000, the owner was graciously supporting the occupation. No, as it turns out, the owner has ordered the full eviction. Now, maybe at the time he was, but I really, really just don't believe it. Which brings me back to the Chapel Hill Autonomous Zone. 500 residences. I'm willing to bet many of these people do not like what's happening around their houses, but they're going to keep their mouths shut for their own safety. As I mentioned earlier, you don't have any rights in this area, okay? During Occupy Wall Street, there were some horrifying crimes that took place within the park. Horrifying is a light way of putting it. Let's just say the bodily autonomy of some females was uh, taken away from them from some males, if you know what I'm trying to say, keeping it family friendly. The response from the activists in the park was to not involve law enforcement. They said that if the police find out what happened to these women, it would make them look really bad and the press would have a field day. I was kind of shocked by that. I said, I don't care. Call the cops. That's what they're for. But they don't like the police. They think all cops are bad, right? There's a different word for it, but we'll say bad, ACAB. So the uh, criminals, as I understand it, ended up getting away with it. Now they spread word as to who the criminals were so they wouldn't be allowed back in, but the criminals got away with it. If you were a proud boy uh, or, or wore something where you looked like one or had a Trump flag and you went into the zone, you'd probably be harmed. That's, that's the best way I can put it. You, you would be harmed. I think people at the barricade would just stop you from coming in. But if somehow you got in, let's say you got in and then put a hat on. Yeah, you're not going to have a good time and you shouldn't do that. But you should have a right to. You really should. You should be able to walk freely wherever you so please in this country that is public, right? Private property, I get. But this is what you can expect from this zone. The people inside this territory probably have to keep their mouths shut for fear of their own safety. What would happen if it turns out that you were someone who lived in one of these residences or had a business there, and now you're, you, you weren't allowed to express yourself? Now, first and foremost, this is Capitol Hill in Seattle. I'm sure everybody there is the progressive, so they're all you know singing songs and clapping and dancing. But there are people in Seattle who aren't overtly political. Well, now they have no choice but to live under this kind of rule. But also think about what this means for people outside of these jurisdictions. 
if you're somebody who lives in a blue city, but you don't you know, follow politics all that much, this could happen to you. It could happen to your business. They could surround your where you live and they could take over. And this is why we're seeing a lot of really, really strange things happen. In San Francisco, people are fleeing the city for obvious reasons, right? New York, the same thing. Chicago crime is skyrocketing. LA crime is skyrocketing. And these activists and these protesters are saying that when the police are all gone, it's a paradise. It's not really a paradise. I'm sorry. That's just not the case. Homeless people we invited took away all of the food at the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. We need more food to keep the area operational. Please, if possible, bring vegan meat substitutes, fruits, oats, and soy products, etc. Anything to help us eat. Vegan meat substitutes. Listen, man, when you got to eat, you're going to eat what you get. But I get it. They're LARPing. This is the cream of the crop, the top of the top, the privileged elites of a major American city, some of the richest people in the world now occupying this space. So it's no surprise the homeless people don't have solidarity with this autonomous zone. No, the homeless people came in and just took the food and said, I'll take what I can get. That's the real world. And now you don't have it. In the real world, when you don't have food, you eat out of the trash. When you don't have food, you beg. That's what they're doing now. They're begging. The zone needs food. That's what will happen. People who have means will deliver food to this zone, but the zone can't survive without the good graces of people who are giving it resources. So how long could it really last unless they start seizing resources? And if the police really wanted it to end, they would just stop food from coming in. They can, the police can set up barricades around it and say anybody's free, you know, free to come and go as they please, but you can't bring in food or stuff like that. That's one way to stop it, cut off its resources. So in the end, what do we have here? In the beginning, it did seem like it would be a bit more worrying because they were taking a police precinct like we saw in Minneapolis. They were calling for armed guards. But now it seems like it's mostly going to be a bunch of, you know, hippie bleeding hearts sitting around singing Kumbaya and watching documentaries. And while there is, you know, there is going to be people who, who bring guns, for the most part, I think we're going to see Occupy Wall Street 2.0. But it doesn't mean that we don't keep an eye on it because this has buildings. It has a potential for longevity. And if they allow this to expand, you're going to see people from all over the country bolster those numbers, and it will increasingly become more and more difficult to deal with. Occupy Wall Street had finite space. The surrounding businesses did not support the protest. There was nowhere to sleep, and people had to come in and out of, of, of the protest area. This is different. 500 residences. As we saw with the Sheridan Hotel in Minneapolis, it's very easily for, easy for these people to claim that the business owners have graciously supported the movement and will allow them to stay there indefinitely. And if you live there and you had a, you had a, a lawless mob, you know, controlling your streets. Now, some of some, if, if you align with them, you're probably like, hey, this is great. What happens when they knock on your door and say, for the good of the movement, you must allow us in to shower? I'm sure some people will say fine. Some people will say no. And what happens if they make you do it? What happens if they come to you and say, you're not a bigot, are you? You're going to support the movement, are you? If you say no, then they'll just say you're a bigot. And then you got to deal with no cops. It's an experiment, I guess. They say right now that this is a good example of how, you know, things can be without police. But it is entirely ideologically homogenous. Not very easy to do on a grand scale. I have to explain to people, my, politi- my, my, my personal political worldview is left libertarian. Of course, these people won't bully it because they're off authoritarian, right? They're authoritarian leftists. My worldview functions very, very well in small tribes. 
Something like this makes sense. A bunch of hippies sitting around singing Kumbaya works. You get 20 people living on a farm. It works. Now you want to start expanding into a larger city where different worldviews and opinions start to mix. Multiculturalism, for instance. And it just doesn't work. And that's why I think in the real world, you, you, centrism is kind of the way to go. You want to be able to accommodate some conservative opinion, some liberal, liberal opinion, some leftist, some you know, traditionalist, some progressive, but not, not the worst of the worst, not those who would, who would instigate and cause violence. There's got to be a way we can learn to live together. And that means many of us will disagree. So we, we rest our, uh, our ideologies underneath live and let live. I do my thing. You do yours. I got my church. You got your community center. If you want to have a bunch of people seize an area with no police, it's easy when everyone believes the same thing. But let me remind you, propaganda. These people will tell you all of the sweet, sweet lies you need to hear because they want to convince you their ideology works. But during Occupy Wall Street, some horrifying crimes took place against some women, to say the least. It's possible these things will happen here because there's no cops and nothing will be done about it. But they won't tell you this. They'll tell you it was amazing. Skittles and candy canes and rainbows and unicorns. But I'll tell you what's really going to happen. People are going to sleep on the streets. Some people might find buildings they can sleep in. Many people will just leave and come back later because it is a live action role play that ultimately does nothing. Today's different, though. It's been about uh, almost 10 years since Occupy Wall Street. Uh, Nine. I think it's entirely possible that as things have escalated so dramatically, this becomes something else. But I'll leave it it there for now. You know, let the kids play. Let them do their thing. I believe in civil disobedience and peaceful protest. And as long as they keep it that way and the residents aren't filing complaints or whatever, then, you know, what do you want? It's their city. They can do what they want to do with it. And if it works out for them, then, hey, more power to you. Right. Beware the propaganda. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. at YouTube.com slash Timcast News. And I will see you all then. Every statue and street building had been renamed. Every date has been altered, and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. George Orwell, 1984, as tweeted out by Majid Nawaz. From the Hill, de Blasio, street in each New York borough will be renamed Black Lives Matter. D.C., the D.C. mayor renamed a street near the White House Black Lives Matter Plaza. Statue of Christopher Columbus is torn down, set on fire, and thrown into a Virginia lake by protesters, saying the explorer, explorer represents genocide. From the Wall Street Journal, HBO Max pulls gone with the wind while cops gets canceled. Across this country, forced apologies and public shaming for doctrinal deviation sweep American culture. Welcome, my friends, to The Real Date 2020. We thought it would be 1984. I guess that was just a book. But now it's actually happening. We are in the midst of well, we've been we've been in the uh, it takes time, right? A culture revolution. But now things have accelerated to a rather extreme degree. And it's funny because we all thought this had been crushed by covid. As soon as a real crisis emerged, people started to abandon the woke ideology nonsense. And then the woke ideology nonsense came back and crushed covid. It's really strange, isn't it? It's almost like these people realized that when confronting a real global crisis, they had to strike back with a vengeance. Now we are seeing people lose their jobs for nonsensical reasons. The bigger fear I have is not so much about what we're witnessing with these lunatics who are burning books, and maybe they win. And that is scary, but I'm not entirely confident that will be the case, because I think there are going to be a lot of people 
who secretly vote for Donald Trump or Republicans, and that creates some kind of fracturing of whatever this ideology is. They may be making gains in the mainstream and tearing down statues, but I think it's going to freak a lot of people out, especially people in the suburbs. And that's where Donald Trump stood to lose. He lost a lot of suburban districts, and that's how the Democrats won the House. Now, of course, the polls are all in favor of Donald Trump. You want to know why I think they're all, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, wrong. The polls are in favor of Biden. That was, I misspoke. You want to know why I think we're seeing that? Well, take a look at some of these stories. How about this one? Stasi Schroeder is surprised and upset by her firing from Vanderpump Rules for her racist actions. After it emerges, she begged Bravo, please never fire me four months ago. So you have people, professor, UCLA college professor is suspended after refusing request for lenient marking of black students' final assessments due to the trauma they have suffered from George Floyd's death and civil unrest. That, that makes no sense. How does, it, how does it make sense to give someone a better grade because someone somewhere died? And what is that going to do to benefit anybody? Will it benefit them? Why? Because then they'll have a degree they don't understand and they can go to a job they can't do. And then the market suffers. This is the replacement of merit with ideology. And it won't work. It's never worked. It won't work now. It's led to the complete collapse of many countries. And they keep saying, but we'll try and try again. It's not going to work. And this is why I think many people are, are saying they'd rather vote for Joe Biden. You know why? I mean, listen, there's no enthusiasm for Joe Biden at all. Nobody cares about this guy. Yet somehow he's got a double digit lead on Donald Trump in nationwide polls. In some states, it's closer. But I believe it was, it may, may have been the New York Times or 538 that said, there is a strange gap between those who say Trump is doing a good job and those who say they would not vote for him or, 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 or those who say they would vote for him. How do you have a, a smaller number of people that would vote for him and a larger number of people saying he's doing a good job? Doesn't seem to make sense, right? Well, I think what we're seeing is that if you come out and support the president, they will destroy your life. I mean, not someone like me. They can try, but I don't work for anybody, nor do I actually care. That's kind of the issue. But there are a lot of people who can make posts and then get fired. Right now, Paul Krugman and some other economists are trying to get a dude fired for criticizing Black Lives Matter. We saw a woman on some MTV show get fired the other day because she, she even said she supported Black Lives Matter, but unfortunately, her comments were still a little offensive. So she's got to go. That's the Inquisition. So let, let, let me show you. I want to read this story from Just the News. But let me show you this, uh, this Stasi article because she wrote this, uh, this horrifying apology. And it's, in my opinion, ex- extremely pathetic. She said, racially insensitive comments from my past have, have resurfaced. It is important that I continue to take accountability for what I have said and done while pushing myself to do better. I have grown significantly from the person I was then, and I'm still filled with remorse and regret for the hurt I caused. I am grateful for the people in my life, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 we get it. What I did to faith was wrong. And I apologize, please. I do not expect forgiveness. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please, please don't hurt me. Please, please just let me live. Please can I have my job back. I'm so sorry. I'll do whatever you say. Just tell me what you want me to say. That's what she might as well have written, right? So here's what I was saying before. I'm not super concerned about these people. I mean, it is freaky and it is worrying, but I don't want to pretend like this is the worst possible outcome. This can lead to the worst possible outcome. Parallel economies, this woman who got fired, these people who have lost their jobs, I mean, they're pulling movies from HBO, Gone with the Wind. At, at first, they were like, we're going to cancel Baby, It's Cold Outside. Now they're getting rid of everything. And Gone with the Wind, people are freaking out because one of the actresses in it, a black woman, was the first black woman to win an Oscar. Well, she's been erased. Here's my bigger concern. 
as these people start to lose their jobs and people lose money, begging for forgiveness will not work. Stop doing it. The struggle sessions aren't going, you're not going to get out of it. There's nothing you can do. They're going to demand you apologize and use that as evidence of wrongdoing and no one will ever hire you. So stop. Stop being a pathetic loser. Stand up for yourself. Tell them to go F off. And yeah, guess what? Maybe that means you can't have your foofy mansion in Santa Monica or whatever. Yeah, well, too bad. The alternative is you don't get it anyway. You've lost it. It's done. Now what happens is these people still need, need, need to eat, right? They still need jobs. They're not just going to go sleep in the gutter and die. So parallel economies will form. And that's when resource building occurs and faction, factions emerge. Go fund me took down the, uh, a fundraiser for Dan Dix, an independent uh, journalist. Be- uh, after he got arrested, I guess he set up a GoFundMe and he raised thousands of dollars. And then he, he released a video saying it had been removed. Meanwhile, they're raising millions and millions of dollars for people who support Black Lives Matter. You then had a business owner who criticized the rioters who destroyed her business. Candace Owens set up a GoFundMe and GoFundMe removed that too. We are going to see parallel economies. When Alex Jones got banned from YouTube, did he simply say, oh, geez, no, I I'm, guess I'm over. My business is gone. No, he launched a new website, which is now getting 10, you know, it's, it's getting a substantial amount of views. I don't, I don't know how many views it's getting, but you can see on his videos, he's getting tens of thousands. So people who want to watch him will. He still has money and he can still make money and there's nothing they can do about it. Now, perhaps these people start getting into government. We saw the Democrats do their kneeling thing. And at that point, we then start seeing the asymmetrical enforcement of law. This is where things get truly, truly scary. In New York, in Fort Worth, they have, they have straight up said, we won't charge you. In, in Fort Worth, they released rioters or they, they dropped the charges on people, uh, people who are uh, charged with rioting. I'm not talking about protests. I'm talking about rioting. They said, you know what? We're, we're going to drop all these charges. And just a month ago, a salon owner was arrested because she wanted to run her business. As these people get into government, what, what, what people don't seem to get I said it before. When I talked about civil war, they said it will never happen because the security apparatus of the state will not allow it to happen. And I said, don't you understand? The government is made up of people and people can have ideology and religion. And what happens when you get a critical mass of people in government who believe in this stuff and say, well, this isn't a violation of the First Amendment because we are morally just. You get a civil war right now at the New York Times, for instance, they are having a, a revolution, a culture revolution within the company. The great lady, the paper of record, is now undergoing a transformation into woke ideology. A, uh, one of the opinion editors ran an op-ed from Tom Cotton defending the protest, but calling out the rioters. Everyone got mad. They, they were forced to issue an apology, and the editor resigned. No one cared when they published an op-ed from the Taliban. This is part of the culture revolution. So long as you support their ideology, you're fine. If you have nothing to do with it, they kind of ignore you. They just don't want opposition. Who would have thought that the New York Times, a a, a centuries old institution, would come crumbling down and worn like a skin suit from death cultists who believe insane things? A lot of people wouldn't have believed it, but it happened. It's done. It, It is officially done. The 1619 Project, for instance, erasing of history. It's fake. It's completely fake. It makes, makes no sense. What do you think is going to happen when enough of these people get into government and they start saying things like freedom of speech does not include hate speech because hate speech is not defined as free speech or some other stupid argument. Miriam Webster recently uh, gave in, I guess, and changed the definition of the word racism 
to include the word racism. This is called a circular definition, and it is a recursive gibberish nightmare. It means nothing. Let me explain to you what Merriam-Webster just did. They say racism is, de- is defined as one, a belief that race is the primary uh, determinant of human traits and capacities, and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Two, a doctrine or political program based on the assumption of racism and designed to execute its principles. Two B, a political or social system founded on racism. Three, racial prejudice or discrimination. Merriam-Webster said they wanted to make sure that the definition of the word was true to how people use it. So let's break down what we're seeing. First, I tweeted about this and a bunch of morons, probably death cultists, didn't understand the context of adding a separate definition that includes itself. I am not talking about definition one, which actually tries to define what racism is. I am talking about the addition of definition two, which is supposed to be a standalone definition, but is a recursive loop. I can explain it very simply. A doctrine or political program based on the assumption of racism and designed to execute its principles. They use the word racism in the definition of the word racism. Now, of course, what people say then is, but it refers to point one. No, it doesn't. That's not how definitions work. When you look up the word run, it has more definitions than any other word, I believe. Run could be to move briskly at, at, at a, uh, an increased pace in which at one point both feet leave the ground. Walking is when one foot is always on the ground and you can speed walk in which you walk very quickly, but running typically both feet will, will be off the ground at, in, in, at some point. It's typically how you define it. Run could also mean to execute a program. There's a bunch of different F, uh, uh, definitions for the word run and they don't refer to each other. They mean different things. Racism includes a new definition, which creates a recursive loop. So what you would do is to properly understand what this means, this sentence, you would need to replace the word racism with its own definition. Now, of course, you could choose definition one, two, or three, because they mean different things. If you choose to use the new systemic definition of racism, it would read a doctrine or political program based on the assumption of a doctrine or a political program based on the assumption of a doctrine or a political program based on the assumption of a doctrine or a political pro. You see what you see the point. If you replace the word racism with the new definition, it creates a recursive loop. Now, what people are saying is, no, no, you have to refer to one. If that were the case, then number two would be in a different category called systemic racism. And it would refer back to the initial word racism. That's not what we're seeing here. This is this is this is a slow roll. I think they're going to turn the right word racism into like sin, original sin, something you can never you know get rid of privilege words that become meaningless. And they just say, that's racist. What is? Why? Trump is racist. Why? What did he do? It doesn't matter what he did because he didn't do anything. He said naughty words, whatever. Fine. The word is simply an attack on the other. That's what's happening. Let's take a look at how Just the News writes it. They say, it's never been more complicated to say, I'm sorry in the town square. New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees learned that after saying he would never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States. Teammate Malcolm Jenkins issued a fiery response, and he was far from alone. And it's unfortunate because I considered you a friend, Jenkins said. I looked up to you. You're somebody who I had a great deal of respect respect for. But sometimes you should shut the F up. I am sorry, he posted on Instagram, and I will do better, and I will be a part of the solution, and I am your ally, and I know no words do that justice. What a pathetic loser. Racism is bad. The actual racism is bad. I hate it. I like civil libertarianism and equal rights under the law. 
These people are not advocating for equal rights under the law. They're advocating for unequal treatment under the law. And that's what is emerging. They are pretending to fight for justice while they seize power and force you to bend the knee in ridiculous struggle sessions where you literally said, I won't agree with someone. Uh, I will never disagree with anybody disrespecting the flag. You know what? I won't either, but I'll certainly uh, agree to respect their right to disrespect it. You want to burn the flag? Do it with my blessing. I don't like the idea, but I like what it represents. Represents the freedom of expression this country allows. Something you don't get in basically any other country on the planet. You know, Brazil doesn't have freedom of, spe- freedom of speech. They can arrest you for saying things that offend moral decency, as they would describe it. And there are a lot of countries like this, many of them. I mean, the most obvious being China. So in America, I, lo- I love the flag. I love what it represents. It re- represents reform. It represents a country where I and my family are allowed to exist because of reforms, because of peaceful protests, because of boycotts, sometimes because of violence, unfortunately, like the Civil War. Yeah, it is unfortunate. It does happen. But for the most part, this country has done tremendous uh, things over the past several uh, hundred years to guarantee civil liberties to all, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's what the flag represents. And I'm glad. You know, the, the flag represents a bad history. But if you only want to focus on the negative, well, then you're a negative person. Sure, I can look back to the past and find anybody who's done something wrong. But the American flag represents change. It represents the opportunity to amend itself, to do better, to recognize its own faults and say, we can do better. You don't accomplish this by ripping down statues in the middle of the night. You don't accomplish this by burning books. They're doing it. It's not just, let me show you this from NPR your bookshelf may be part of the problem. Now, mind you, these people understand they can't go too far too quickly. This article doesn't necessarily say burn books. It just says the books you're reading are a problem and you must cast aside their structures and narratives and the things they're saying. They don't want to go too close to literally advocating for something the Nazis were doing, right? HBO getting rid of Gone with the Wind. Cops gets canceled. Well, I'll tell you what, cops getting canceled, I really don't care about. Whatever, man. Shows get canceled. Now, the ideology behind it is worrisome, but pulling gone with the wind is extremely worrisome. Those that forget the past are doomed to repeat it. And we're going to repeat it, baby. It's happening. They're going to start burning books, you know, uh, digitally. It's, 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 it takes a new form. Amazon, for instance, will ban your book if it, do, if it, if it's, it offends their delicate sensibilities. What's the difference between that and book burning? It's the same thing. It's just new technology. Let's read a little bit more. They say even Brittany Breeze, the quarterback's wife, apologized on his behalf. Trump tweeted, I'm a big fan of Drew Breeze. I think he's truly one of the greatest quarterbacks, but he should not have taken back his original stance on honoring our magnificent American flag. Old glory is to be revered, cherished, and flown high. I agree. Later, Drew Breeze took President Donald Trump to task after Trump said he shouldn't have apologized. The veteran quarterback still received death threats for his comments. It's only the latest example of a broadly held, previously uncontroversial opinion that suddenly had to be recanted and publicly atoned for. Consider actor Mario Lopez's 2019 comments saying a three-year-old child shouldn't be able to dictate his or her own gender. The Saved by the Bell alum quickly apologized once the comments went viral. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry, Mario, man. I got no respect for that. None whatsoever. Just say, shut the You want to come out and say a three-year-old shouldn't pick their gender? Guess what? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to completely agree with you. 
What kind of psychotic, spineless moron would apologize and say, I must be wrong about what three-year-olds know. And they'll come and cancel you. And they can come and cancel me and it'll happen soon. Whatever, man, I don't care. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not, it's not going to happen. And, and you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do my thing. Whatever. Fine. I don't care. The mob can come to my house with bricks and stones and torches and do whatever they want. I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to say what I want to say. The only way you can, you cut up my tongue, you, you burn it all down, destroy my channels. Otherwise, I'm going to keep doing my thing. These people who are apologizing are whiny losers, 100%. And you know what? At this point, it really breaks my heart because there was an opportunity to do better. There really was an opportunity to say, we understand that some things are bad and we can change. There are many things that we all can look back on and say, yeah, that was kind of a bad thing. And we've done a good job to change it. That's why America is great. And that's why they're so worried about what we can do in this country. That's why they got to tear everything down and burn it down and erase history. If they get rid of the victim, then they lose their moral, their, their moral superiority. However, I fear it may become, it may, it may, it may be too late, maybe too late. We're at a point now where they don't need to justify anything. They have what they view as dominant cultural power. And that means they can pull gone with the wind with, with blink of an eye. It means that they can burn books and ban books and shut down YouTube channels and ban anyone they want. They can get you fired from your job, even if you support the movement, like that one woman, whatever her name was the other day. She was critical of some people posting about it, but she said she's always supported it. Didn't matter. It was still too offensive. You offend the delicate sensibilities of the party. You see what happens. So yeah, you want to talk about a potential for civil war? I don't know. Maybe. A lot of people have been talking about it. We, we talked about this the other day on the IRL podcast. There's a, prof- a professor named, I think it's Robert Kuttner, who said, we're in it. It's just not what you think it is because people, you know, they look back at the American Civil War and they say, that's what Civil War looks like. No, we are seeing violence pop up in cities right now in Seattle. A bunch of far leftists have taken over a seven city block area and they're calling for people with guns. They're wearing body armor and they say that people are armed down there now and they want them to guard the barricades. They stormed into City Hall the other day, made demands and left. It's, it's happening. I told you it would happen in the Pacific Northwest. That should have been obvious to anybody. And it's spreading. At, at a certain point, when you have all of these people being purged from industry, how long until they're purged from government? Because people start getting scared. And once they start getting a foothold in government, you will have a civil war. The New York Times in revolt, uh, their editor resigning. They're putting out overt fake news. If you think it won't enter government institutions, you are wrong. It may already have happened. And once they reach critical mass with their cult ideology, you will see tons of people in government start screeching. They'll make up lies about Trump. They'll try and get him removed. And then, baby, you will see what happens when the people who resist this stuff and refuse to bow down say we're going to stand up. And, and people make jokes. Someone said, never in history have I seen the people without guns trying to go up against people with guns. Dude, have you paid attention at all to what's going on? First of all, there was a video of a man in, I believe, the army. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, standing, maybe maybe National Guard. As the protesters chanted, they, they said, I'm black and I'm proud. He said the same words under his breath. You could see his mouth moving. That went viral. There are people who sympathize. An active duty MP went on a rant, was, was found with weapons and explosives in a van, active duty. And when the police hunted him down, he killed a cop. Yes, this is not just about a bunch of stupid college students. There are people 
in government right now. They are just waiting until they get the signal to know they have critical mass. Call me stupid. Call me accelerationist. Say I'm making things up. I'm only telling you what's already happened. I'm not encouraging anything. I am just saying it has happened. So do what you want to do, man. I don't think anybody should be engaging in these kinds of, this kind of escalation, but I'll tell you what. Are you paying attention at all? Tearing down statues in the middle of the night, throwing them into the harbor? HBO, pulling Gone with the Wind, an iconic film? Just because we had bad history doesn't mean you purge everything. We understand the history was bad. We learned from it. They don't want us to learn from it. They want to bring it back. They're leftist reactionaries. This is what I said a couple of years ago. The word reactionary refers to people who want to revert things to the way they used to be. What, are, what is the left advocating for? Segregation, special programs based on race. They're trying to reverse the civil rights movement. They'll tell you the opposite because the civil rights movement was popular. They're demanding race be a pretext for law. We got rid of that in 1964. They will tell you the opposite because they know this was a, it was, civil rights is popular. They're banning movies so we can't remember why things were bad. Jack Dorsey says Trump's not allowed to glorify violence. Then he literally goes on Twitter and does it. They are lying to you to gain power. They are leftist reactionaries. They want to revert things to the way they used to be, where race was a pretext in law. Well, I won't stand for that. I believe that's wrong, but that's what's happening. And that's what you will get as all these people bow down. I bring you back to the quote from George Orwell when every street was renamed, when dates didn't exist. Let me read it for you one more time before I sign off. Every statue and street building had been renamed. Every date had been altered. And the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. De Blasio renaming streets to Black Lives Matter. In DC, they've already done it. Statues of Christopher Columbus being torn down, gone with the wind being purged. And a man who said, I will never, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States was forced to apologize for saying that. What's that supposed to mean? That you must, you must respect the desecration of the symbols of our country. Do you realize what that means to the average person who likes America? It means that they're being told you must accept people disrespecting this country. That's a dangerous, dangerous turn, man. Listen, I don't think Christopher Columbus was a good dude. Not at all. And I certainly uh, don't think Gone with the Wind represents slavery in, in you know, uh, I think there are bad things in that film. You know, it's, it's, it's a history we, we, look, we look down upon with regret, but we learned from it and we changed. They want to erase all of that. That's a bad thing. Perhaps when you have that statue of Christopher Columbus, you should tell people what the controversy is so they understand why we criticize the man. I, I, I've talked about statues being taken down. And here's what I think. I think they should be. Many of these statues should be taken down. I think they should be taken down with a vote through a democratic process and placed in a museum. And in their stead, placed a plaque explaining the nuances about why the statue was there in the first place, why we tore it down and how the people voted and how we changed. Progress is fine, but lawlessness and cancel culture and mob rule is horrifying. If we take things down through a democratic process, guess what? You might find it doesn't come down. My opinion isn't as relevant as the democratic institution's findings. If most people say leave it up, well, then it stays up. It's the only way they win. I don't know where, 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 where it all goes next, but you've heard my opinion, so I'll leave it there. 
Next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I'll see you all then. The police are finally speaking up, and in an impassioned speech, police union boss said, stop treating us like animals and thugs and start treating us with some respect. And he brought up a very interesting statistic, 375 million interactions and almost all of them peaceful. Now, personally, I think we we do have a problem with police militarization, and this happens, you know, in a, in a lot of small towns for some reason. I do think we need to make sure police are held to a higher standard as they are the ones who have to enforce the law. So it, it is a difficult situation. I certainly don't think defunding or abolishing the police makes sense, but the tensions are escalating. I want to read you the story and, and show you what the police are actually saying now as they fire back. But you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna need some context before I just show you what they're saying. First. A deputy was wounded after a gunman opens fire near California police station. The Hill says shots were uh, shots were heard around 345 a.m. near the Paso Robles police station. The L.A. Times reported Sergeant Steve Odom said that one deputy deputy who remains unnamed by the department was shot in the face. The deputy was rushed to the hospital and is in serious but stable condition, according to the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office. They want to abolish the police. This is all part of demoralizing them. You have these, ramp- these, these rampant attacks. You have the press slamming and smearing them. And guess what? People are going to resign and then it will make abolishing the police force that easy. Now, why would they want to get rid of the police? I honestly don't know. In Los Angeles, homicides this week have increased 250% in LA compared to last week. Is their goal to shock and scare regular Americans into desperately begging for law enforcement back? Seems like maybe that's what it is. You get a bunch of people who go a week or two without cops and they'll see how bad things really do get. Look, man, like I said, there are some reforms that can be enacted. Most people are in favor of some reforms. We want to make sure we're protecting civil liberties, but abolishing the police will breed absolute chaos. And well, the signs are here. Bloody pighead left on a spike outside LA's notorious Rampart precinct during police brutality uh, protests. I kid you not, a pig's head on a pike. I think we are going to see escalating tensions and conflict. And I think we are literally going to see the police across the country defunded to varying degrees and many departments disbanded. Minneapolis has already said so. At the same time in Minneapolis, extremists have commandeered a Sheraton hotel. And here's the best part. Support the Minneapolis Sanctuary Hotel, a fundraiser seeking $200,000, and GoFundMe allows it. Let me explain something to you. Extremists have seized a building. They have stolen property. I, I kid you not. They are now occupying a building, and that is that, that it violates so many laws, I don't even know where to begin. GoFundMe will allow it. But if you're a journalist, say someone like Dan Dix, an independent journalist, and you get arrested and want to do a fundraiser for a broken camera or something, GoFundMe will ban you. Welcome to the new world. And the police are speaking up about it. But I'll tell you what, man, you know, these cops coming out and speaking about this, it's all part of the plan. I mean, think about it. If these cops are angry, saying they're being treated like animals, while at the same time, they're trying to abolish the police department, bro, they want you to quit. That's the point. They don't want police departments. What's going to happen next? Well, they want to be the police. You need to understand 
When they say abolish the police, it's not going to be a utopia of people holding hands and singing. It's going to be these wacko lunatic cultists walking around in their robes with large sticks, whacking people who are, are violating some kind of moral, I don't know, moral law or authority. Is that what you want? Well, you're going to get it. CNS News reports during a press conference under the RFK bridge in New York City on Tuesday, dozens of police union chiefs spoke out against the press and lawmakers vilifying them. Mike O'Meara, president of the NY State Police Benevolent Association, said that everybody's trying to shame us and added, stop treating us like animals and thugs and start treating us with some respect. When it was his turn to speak, O'Meara said 375 interactions with the public every year, 375 million interactions, overwhelmingly positive responses, overwhelmingly positive responses. But I read in the papers all week, we all read in the papers that in the black community, mothers are worried about their children getting home from school without being killed by a cop. What world are we living in? He asked. That doesn't happen. It does not happen. I am not Derek Chauvin. They, other police officers, are not him. He killed someone. We didn't. We are restrained. Chauvin is the Minneapolis officer who was charged with murder. Everybody's trying to shame us. The legislators, the press, everybody is trying to shame us into being embarrassed about our profession. Well, you know what? This badge isn't stained by someone in Minneapolis. It's still got shine on it. And so do theirs. So do theirs. Stop treating us like animals and thugs. Start treating us with some respect. That's what we're here today to say. We've been left out of the conversation. We've been vilified. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I'm sorry, buddy. They don't care. They don't care what you have to say because a cab, you know, what a cab means all cops are, eh, you know, the last word, right? It's a B word. There, for a reference to somebody whose parents aren't married. It means a bunch of other things, right? But it basically means there is no reform. There are no good cops. Aaron, and there is nothing you can do about it. If you're a cop, you're bad, they say. Listen, I have actually in my life had more negative interactions with police than positive ones. So I can certainly understand he might think he's a good guy. And he might say all these other cops are good guys. And many of them probably are. The problem is most interactions are not, in my opinion, positive. Listen, when you're speeding and you get pulled over and get a ticket, these people are going to have complaints about it. That's the point I'm trying to make. So you end up in a, in a circumstance where a cop might legitimately give someone a speeding ticket and the person gets mad about it. And so they file a complaint. So you want to talk about overwhelmingly positive interactions. I understand from your perspective, it may be routine, but this is not surprising. This, here, let's, let me try and break this down what I'm trying to say. It's easy to actually disband the police. It is because people don't want to be held accountable. People want to speed. People want to jaywalk. People want to break the law. Well, a lot of cops just want to issue tickets. There, there is criticism to go around to the police, though, in this regard. I mean, they say they don't have quotas, but come on, man. We, we know that a lot of these departments rely on revenue from tickets and to a certain extent arrests and fines to function. And so this is what you're going to end up seeing. People don't like police. When people are driving and they see a cop, they don't feel safe. There are circumstances where people do feel they have no choice but to ask cops. But we got to understand, man, in a small town, let me tell you this, in a small town, you probably, you know, wave to the cop, you know him, you love him, they help you out. In big cities, it is not that way. I'm sorry. In big cities, there is anxiety when the cops show up. I'm not even kidding, man. I mean, look, that's from me coming from, uh, from the south side of Chicago. The point I'm trying to make is these cops, I get it. But New York City has serious problems. This is a democratic city in a democratic state with democratic congressmen, with democratic senators, and they've enacted policies that these protesters are complaining about. 
I do not believe defunding or disbanding the police is the right answer. I believe maybe reprioritizing budgets makes a lot of sense. I don't think cops should have armored personnel carriers for the most part. I think police don't necessarily need to carry around rifles in their trunks. Not all of them do. And I often wonder why does a traffic cop has a gun? And they do. Seriously, in New York. I'm like, listen, in other countries, they might have a civil guard who has authority to ticket an arrest who doesn't have a gun. And then they have actual cops that are armed. So they actually create a distinction there. Maybe that's an answer. I honestly don't know. Listen, I'm a, I'm, I'm a moderate, right? That means I grew up in cities where I've seen bad things from cops. And I know people who don't feel safe around them. That's a fact. But I've also had good interactions with police. And I understand the importance of having them. If someone's going to break into your building, you call the cops, they come and help you. But because of the general negative sentiment, and because people don't want to be held accountable, they go to a stupid place. It's a Chinese finger trap problem, right? If you have a lot of people in cities that don't like the cops, if you have activists now vilifying them in the press, and even lawmakers, then people are going to say, abolish the police. And what happens? They do. And then what happens? I bring you back to Los Angeles. Homicides this week have increased 250% in LA compared to last week, LAPD says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we get it. We get it. Let me read more of what they said. Omira continued. Nobody talks about the number of police that were killed last week in America. And there were a number of them. We don't condone Minneapolis. We roundly reject what he did as disgusting. It's disgusting. It's not what we do. It's not what police officers do. I, I can agree with that. We have seen, because of social media, a rise in content that vilifies police because it, it gives someone a cause to rally against. And because a lot of these cops have gotten away with really, really messed up things. Some people have said about the riots. Why have they rioted? Because all of the peaceful protests didn't work. That's not true at all. And I get, I get, I get really annoyed when I see this. Listen, I am a moderate. It's the point I'm trying to make. I have a general negative, general negative experience with the police, but I've had positive ones. And I recognize the importance of the police department. That's where I sit. So I'm, I'm for reform. That's basically the issue. I have seen people say that peaceful protests didn't work. And so they must riot. It's the only way to get things done. No, it isn't. The protests did work. Did you see what happened with the 2A people in Virginia when they all showed up and peacefully rallied? And then all of a sudden, Democratic officials in the state blocked this gun legislation or whatever. It worked. Peaceful rally worked. And now what they say is they look at that and say, see, that proves racism. No, it doesn't, man. It's insane. Because we have seen a lot of people come out and peacefully protest. And you had everyone on your side already. If anything, the riots just made, made it worse for everybody. And now what's going to happen when they, when they overcharge Chauvin and he, and, and he potentially could get off and get, you know, get found not guilty or guilty of a lesser charge, they're going to riot again. And they're going to say, see, it doesn't work. No, what didn't work is that you demanded too much. And, they, and, and sure, you can argue the rioting worked because they caved to you. And then they upped the charges on this guy. And then and now they're saying, the experts are saying it might not actually stick. Here's what the, he said. Our legislators abandoned us. The press is vilifying us. Well, you know what, guys? I'm proud to be a cop and I'm, and I'm going to continue to be proud to be a cop until the day I retire. And that's all I have to say. In the wake of George Floyd's death, groups such as Black Lives Matter, along with left-wing lawmakers, have called for defunding and dismantling police forces. Let me tell you what happens when you disband the police force. This. Take a look at this GoFundMe. Support the Minneapolis Sanctuary Hotel. Here's what they say. At 8 p.m. on Friday, May 29th, just blocks from the epicenter of the uprising fighting for justice in the streets of South Minneapolis, 
armored vehicles and hundreds of National Guard advanced on Hiawatha Avenue. The curfew was in effect and the state offered no options. In Minneapolis, uh, in, in, in Minneapolis, for an unsheltered couple camped outside. The shelters were full and the hotels promised the large encampment left them uh, and the hotels promised to the large encampment left them and many others behind. They finally found refuge in a hotel a few blocks away. Throughout the night, people came in with harrowing stories of terror from police and other white supremacists. The National Guard shot rubber bullets at our community members who stood outside to protect the building. So much of our beloved Lake Street burned around us. The next morning, we learned the hotel owners planned to evacuate, but so much of the community was still in need of shelter. With the owner's gracious support, people stepped forward and created a mutual aid community care system. No, I really doubt the owner supported it. I really, really doubt it. I'm sure he was terrified that if he rejected this, they would burn his building to the ground and he had no, no, no choice but to flee. That's just my opinion. But come on, you can have yours. And now the building is occupied. Why? Well, because the owner was forced to bend the knee. The police aren't going to come in and save him. The police are going to be disbanded. So what happens now when a group of zealots shows up to your bakery, your barber shop, your coffee shop, and says, from this point forward, you are the commune resource center? What are you going to say? Well, the cops aren't going to support you. They've disbanded them, defunded them, and the cops don't want to get involved. You're going to say, but, but, but it's, it's, my, it's my bakery. And they're going to say, you're not a racist, are you? You're not a bigot, are you? And then they're going to tell you to leave. And they're going to celebrate and cheer and talk about their new food station. And your business will be gone. And everything you worked for will be gone. The owner graciously supported the loss of his building and his livelihood. Somehow, I just don't believe that. But we've seen it across the board. People who are being canceled and being fired. This is the next step. They have taken over seven city blocks in Seattle. Where are the police? The community didn't support them. That's it. I'm sorry. They didn't. The police received 12,000 complaints about tear gas use or whatever. So they left. Now the local businesses are apparently being forced to, quote, disaffiliate from the city, according to some of the activists. And they're expanding. And armed, uh, I shouldn't call them activists, extremists, are pushing the barricades and seizing more land in the now seven block radius. Bulletproof vests and armed guards are standing watch. Or many armed people are there, according to some locals on the ground. This will come to your city the moment they start defunding the police. But it's not even about the police. I ask you, why haven't the police stepped in to protect this business owner? Because the business owner bent the knee. There's nothing to protect. Why, they've chosen to give up their building to these extremists. And there it is. They'll come to your house. They'll come to your business. They'll take it from you and say, if you call the police, we'll tell everyone how much of a bigot you are. Don't you want to support the community? That's right. You don't want to be a bigot, do you? Congratulations. Your life is over. These people are taking ground and seemingly no one seems to notice or care until it'll be too late. And then you won't have a police department to protect you. So what will you do at that point? I think a lot of these cops, a lot of these people are just going to flee the cities, go off in the middle of nowhere, take a van down by the river and say, leave me out of it. And that means these wackos will continue taking more and more buildings. And instead of hearing that the buildings are being seized by force, you will hear that the owners graciously chose to support the party and the cause. That's how it starts. I mean, it's not even starting. I mean, it's literally happening. It's been happening. and It'll happen more. Then you can see how GoFundMe operates. GoFundMe will ban a journalist 
but they will allow $155,000 to be funneled into this seized resource. And the police won't do anything about it because the community won't support them. That's where things get scary. This is one of the reasons I think they're, they're, they're adamant about abolishing the police. They're using racism as a guise for it. The police make a really, really good point. Look, I get it. I can mention general negative interactions. I grew up in the city, but I still think the police department should exist. I think we just need some reforms. But these people are not being honest about what their true intentions are. They say the police department is irredeemably racist. It cannot be reformed. Therefore, it must be abolished. So Minneapolis will. In Minneapolis, they've seized a hotel. What comes next? It's going to be a lot of fun, I'd imagine, right? For all the stupid people who refuse to stand up, it'll be too late for them. And then they won't have a business. They'll be forced to work for free. They'll have no resources. And boy, will they hate it. They will get everything they wished for. For the rest of regular people who refuse to speak up against this, don't be surprised when you lose it. If you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything. That's the saying, right? Now look at this. Who's going to support this business owner? Nobody. The business owner had no choice but to say, yes, please, (laughs) you can have my building. I really doubt they just agreed to give up everything. And where are they now? I'd imagine a lot of these people are fleeing. Like I said, I imagine a lot of them are counting, taking stock of what they own in their possessions and trying to now prepare themselves for the future. The police are getting increasingly agitated. And this is all part of the plan. Did you ever see that graphic that was posted about how, you know, insurgency takes over and how a coup and a revolution starts? Everything right now is underground and regular people are ignoring this. And their allies in media are not telling you what's really happening. And they're actively seeking to get anyone who opposes them banned. So I don't know how long I have. It'll probably happen really soon, considering the flow of things. We said it was going to get crazy near the election. It won't end after the election, no matter who wins. The cult is coming for the police. The police are now forced to scream in defiance about how they're being ignored and abandoned by everyone. But they're proud. It doesn't matter because the people, the average person refuses to speak up. The cultists are screaming at the top of their lungs. The media will vilify anyone who dares oppose them. So the only narrative that persists is orange man bad, blue man bad, support us or else. They'll take your business, they'll take your building, they'll take your city streets, and the cops will be told to stand down. That's what you get. That's where we're headed. Is anybody doing anything about the crazy people in Seattle? No, the cops left. The, the, the locals complained. I, 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 I'm really excited to see what happens to these locals in Seattle once they start living under the boot of authoritarians. These people are not freedom-loving individuals. They, 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 they claim they want freedom. It's all part of the lie. The symbol, the revolution fist, is a communist symbol about the fingers being stronger together. You read up the history. It was used in the Spanish Civil War. I don't know exactly when it started, but it was a counter message to the fascists. Not, not, not fascists, the fascists, the banding of, uh, of sticks, because together they were strong. The communists had the same message. They're both authoritarian crazy people. Right now, the two principal factions that I'm seeing are the libertarians and the authoritarians. That's not an all-encompassing view of what's really going on because there are subsects and varying tribes based on their specific goals. People like me, for instance, find ourselves in alliance with many other conservatives. Why? Because they believe in individual liberty. And the people who believe in maximum state authority 
have all basically aligned around varying ideologies. So this is what you get. Go to my Twitter, go to Instagram.com slash Timcast. And what will you see? There is an image they have made of a fist crushing the Gadsden snake. The snake symbolizes a warning to leave me alone. That's what the snake is, the rattlesnake. On the flag, it says, don't tread on me. What does it mean? The snake, when you see it, it makes a noise. So you know, if you attack it, it will strike back a deadly viper. However, the symbol they use, the fist, crushes the snake saying, we will tread. What does that mean? Don't tread on me, says, leave me, and leave me alone to live my life. It's part of the idea of living and let live. I will do me, you will do you, and we will not infringe on each other to the best of our abilities. We will tread explicitly states, we will crush you and take your rights from you. We will not leave you alone. If you think that you will be safe in your suburban house, minding your own business, you are wrong. I heard the helicopters near my house before. Something needs to be said about how crazy these people are and people need to stand up. The cops are doing it now, but the cops don't have support. So it's only a matter of time before someone comes and occupies your home. And the Third Amendment won't won't protect you when society forces you to bend the knee. Like I said about the Sheridan Hotel, the owner graciously supported us. Did he really? Did they really? I don't know. Maybe it's a woman. Or do they know that they will be canceled, fired and attacked and mobbed and threatened and no one will protect them unless they give everything up? Man, I am telling you, go read history. Maybe this all stops here. It's possible. It's possible we stop it from 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 expanding. I don't think so, man, because I thought it was going to get worse then. I think it'll get worse now. You see all the people getting fired from their jobs for criticizing these people. You see the flag burning. Then when they come to your business and say, give us your building, they're seizing the means of production one step at a time, right? How long before they go to a farm and say it's time the rich landowners give up the property to the proletariat? Maybe it doesn't happen. I don't know. But isn't it funny how they've seized seven city blocks in Seattle and a, a hotel? They're going to come to you and you have no choice but to give it up. And there won't be anyone there to protect you. There will be no police department. There will be no law. Maybe Bill Barr will step in and the federal government will have no choice but to shut this stuff down. The problem is culture. The government can say you can't do this. But if the Sheraton owner says, no, no, it's OK, it's OK, I'm, I'm giving it to them. Well, then the police and the government isn't going to do anything about it. If the cultural pressures supersede the political guarantees, then people will bend the knee and lose everything. The people get what they deserve, man. The people who refuse to stand up and fight. I would rather live on my feet than die on my knees. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at six uh, at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. Check it out. It's my other channel, and I will see you all then. As many of you are probably already aware, there is an occupation going on in Seattle called the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. If you want to get more context on what's happening, check out TimCast.net, my main channel, where I put out a video on this at 4 p.m. Should be up now. Well, the group has published their list of demands, but this segment isn't just about their demands. It's also kind of a bit chaotic. Apparently, some dude who's like a prominent activist there threatens somebody's life. Somebody yells on camera, we're the police now. Like, we got to be in charge of this. That's exactly what's happening, isn't it? They don't care about police injustice necessarily. They just want to be the police themselves and then deal with issues as they want them to be dealt with. That is how humans work. It's how it always is. Everybody always says that person in power is wrong. I should be in power and they get in power and then they're wrong too. But first, let's take a look at the collective, uh, uh, the demands 
from the collective black voices at Free Capitol Hill to the government of Seattle, Washington. Now, I just want to point out very quickly that mm, I would say the overwhelming majority of people on Capitol Hill who are controlling it or doing whatever are white, but that's typically how it goes. And let's read what they say. In this Medium post from Free Capitol Hill, they say, in credit to the people who freed Capitol Hill, this list of demands is neither brief nor simplistic. This is no simple request to end police brutality. We demand that the city council and the mayor, whoever that may be, implement these policy changes for the cultural and historic advancement of the city of Seattle and to ease the struggle of its peoples. This document is to represent the black voices who spoke in victory at the top of 12th and Pine after nine days of peaceful protest while under constant nightly attack from the Seattle Police Department. These are words from that night. Here's what they say. For, for ease of consideration, we've broken the demands into four categories. Justice system, health and human services, economics, and education. I wonder where this is going. Given the historical moment, we'll begin with demands pertaining to justice system. One, the Seattle Police Department and attached court system are beyond reform. We do not request reform. We demand abolition. Boom. And there it is. You see that first they were saying defund the police. We're not saying get rid of them. Just take away some of their money. Then they said disband the police. Just this one department. Then they said abolish the police. But baby, here it comes. We demand abolition of the attached court system. English common law down the drain, replaced by what? A kangaroo court of woke ideologues who apparently in one uh, one video threatened somebody's life. Take this one out. Here's his post. Raz Simone, an armed crew threatened to murder unarmed graffiti artist in self-proclaimed Chaz. Yeah, well, what do you expect? That's why they want to get rid of these things, isn't it? So they can threaten people's lives with impunity. Two, in the transitionary period between now and the dismantlement of the Seattle Police Department, we demand that the use of armed force be banned entirely. No guns, no batons, no shields, no chemical weapons, especially against those exercising their First Amendment rights as Americans to protest. Oh, now you want constitutions, huh? We demand an end to the school to prison pipeline and the abolition of youth jails. Kids get out of prison, get cops out of schools. I don't completely disre- uh, disagree with this. I don't think kids should be in prison. They need some kind of rehabilitative system. We demand that not the city government nor the state government, but the federal government launch a full scale investigation into past and current cases of police brutality in Seattle and Washington, as well as the reopening of all closed cases reported. To, are you kidding? <laughs> wow. Talk about a big ask. Five. We demand reparations for victims of police brutality in a form to be determined. We demand the city of Seattle make the names of officers involved in police brutality a matter of public record. Anonymity should not be should not even be a privilege in public service. Now, I actually agree with no anonymity for public service. One hundred percent. If it's in the public, the people should know about it. We demand a retrial of all people in in color currently serving a prison sentence for a violent crime by a jury of their peers in the community. Oh, wow. This is incredible, man. We demand the decriminalization of the acts of protest. Well, yeah, protest shouldn't be a crime. There's a First Amendment for that. We demand that the city of Seattle and the state government release any prisoner currently serving time for a marijuana related uh, offense and expunge the related conviction. Agreed. 10. We demand the city of Seattle and state government release any prisoner currently serving time for just for resisting arrest if there are no other related charges and that those convictions should also be expunged. Eh, You know, I agree with that, too. 
We demand that the prisoners currently serving time be given the full and unrestricted right to vote. That I don't agree with. Listen, I don't believe people uh, should be in prison for nonviolent drug offenses. I really, really don't. I, 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 that, that's there's some caveats there. Like if you're slinging drugs to kids, like, no, nah, I'm not cool with that. If you personally choose to do that, look, man, I'm, I'm pretty libertarian. If you want to go chill in your house, smoke some weed or whatever, do your thing that you should not be in prison for that. And there, there, there are some offenses related to this fine selling to kids, like I said, and maybe large scale production and distribution. The reason for that is mostly because even if it was legal, there would be regulations on this. But I certainly think we got to absolutely reevaluate all that stuff. And I'd, I'd actually be totally down for a lot of these people having their records be expunged and stuff like that. The people serving time just for resisting arrest. I'm not OK with that either. Not not, not absolutely no. But uh, it depends on what they say serving time for prison, maybe. But look, there's a reason for this. And so I'm a bit more fence city on this one, though I lean towards, yeah, I don't like people getting charged with resisting arrest if they're not under arrest. But this pertains to if someone's being detained and they start to fight and fight with cops, they might get assaulted on an officer and stuff like that. I think we should absolutely reevaluate these circumstances. But the reason they do it, I understand. They, we, we need things to be orderly. If someone's suspected of a crime and they stop you and detain you, they, they're allowed to do this. They can detain you for, I believe, in some jurisdictions up to like 45 minutes. Yes, it's not fun, but they can. Just don't answer questions. Get a lawyer. Ask if you're free to go. You, you, look, nothing is going to be perfect. We, we have the presumption of innocence and we want to make sure we protect the innocent. But that also means we need to have some security, right? I lean towards liberty on most things, but I understand why the cops might stop you and ask you questions. You have your right not to, and that's how the game is played. There's no perfect line, and that's a big challenge. Okay, there's no way I can read all of these demands. This is, this is nuts. Let's just see the first demand for uh, economic issues. They want, we demand the degentrification of Seattle, starting with rent control, the restoration of city funding, free college. Oh, great. The, uh, wait, wait, now, and uh, the, uh, okay, between now and the abolition of the SPD, Police be prohibited from performing homeless sweeps. Decentralized election process. Well, you saw right there. What is this related to economics? Okay, I I can't. I I can't. I can't read this, man. What are they saying? We demand that the history of black and Native Americans be given a significantly greater focus in the state education curriculum. We demand that thorough anti-bias training become a legal requirement. Why? Oh, 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 in all jobs. Listen, you know what that means? Anti-bias training, indoctrination for their ideology. Now, I, I do think it's funny to point out they want free uh, de-gentrification of Seattle. What does that mean? You're going to force all the white people to leave? Like, is that, is that what you mean by that? The restoration of city funding, free college for the people of the state of Washington due to the overwhelming effect that education has an economic success. You know what? I'm totally fine with this. You know why? Because you've created, like colleges have become ideological churches, basically. The only problem I have, I really have with it is that, these, these universities have become, like I mentioned, like your ideological church, and you're forcing the taxpayer to pay for it. So nah, if you're going to, if you're going to give it away for free, and then you're creating this pipeline of indoctrination, now nah, we can't have that. So anyway, listen, listen, you, you, you get it. They're, these are the demands of the people, whatever. I don't think it really matters because it'll never happen. But check this out. Bernie Sanders himself says, I don't agree with the push to abolish the police, police departments. Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz are condemning calls to defund the police. No one supports you. Conservatives don't, obviously, but even Bernie Sanders doesn't support you. So what are you really asking for? In the end, I know what they want to create. This is, this is the post from r slash Seattle. Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, 
educational movie night. This is Seattle without militarized police. Where are your riotous looters now? They are watching documentaries. F-U-S-P-D. Photo credit to a close friend. Here's a link to a video. Raz Simone and armed crew threatened to murder unarmed graffiti artist in self-proclaimed Chaz. Yeah, that's that's your uh, riotous looters. No, they've been given control and they're going to do what they want. Apparently, a bunch of people said, you know, Raz should disassociate. I have no idea who Raz is. I, I don't care. I don't know who's right or who's wrong or whatever. All that matters is you get rid of cops. This is what you get. You can pretend that it's peaceful and everything's fine. And for the most part, it is. Of course it is, because humans mostly are. But what happens when someone comes in and violates unnamed law? There's a guy spray painting on a wall and they say, hey, you can't do that because somebody lives there. And he said, so what? Free zone, yada, yada. The guy grabs him, a scuffle breaks out. I don't know exactly what happened or why. But listen, the dude spray painting, there are no rules saying you can't do this. In civil society as we have it now, we do have laws. And it is stupid, in my opinion, that people can be arrested, even though they didn't know they were breaking the law. And they say ignorance of the, uh, of the law is no excuse for breaking it. I disagree with that. That's not fair. Although everyone would feign ignorance, I guess. No, the issue here is that you have no laws. You have no rules. So what do you expect? It's an, auto- an autonomous zone. You can't physically assault somebody because they're doing something you don't like. All you've done is revert society back to a lesser state. Police reform, 100%. I agree with that. But a massive list of demands, including free college, that is ridiculous and absurd. This is what these people always do. And you can expect them to do it again. If you give them an inch, they will take 50 miles. So don't be surprised now that they're calling for the abolition of the court system for them to eventually say abolition of anything that could be a crime and just other nonsense. But whatever, I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. You may have seen that publicity stunt put on by the Democrats where they all got on one knee in a moment of silence for George Floyd. Well, they did it wearing something called a kente cloth. It was the the scarves or whatever they wore around their necks. Well, I guess I've got some bad news for Democrats. They are being mocked and actually being slammed because the kente cloth actually uh, predominantly comes from a tribe called the Ashanti tribe or the Ashanti empire, which made a very large sum of money selling slaves. And I, I, I'm just learning this now, but apparently in their effort to appease uh, the black community, they did not understand what they were wearing or what it meant. And they ended up pissing off a ton of people and shocking a lot of other people. So let me read this story for you and then just pull up the Wikipedia entry talking about how the Ashanti sold slaves. I, <laughs> All right, man, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack because of the Trump photo op thing. I'm being a bit facetious on the Democrats. I get it. They're doing their thing. They're trying to show solidarity. I get it. I get it. Trump did something similar with the church. Yeah, man, they want to show that they're in support of some cause or whatever. You get it. Okay, let's read the story. Fox says black Twitter users mock Dems for donning kente cloth. Don't treat Africans like we're children. Suffice it to say, at the very least, this backfired. And you could say something similar about Trump and his thing in front of the church when the bishop came out and slammed him for it. But I got to be honest, I think a lot of people who are religious and conservative liked that Trump did it. It's not so clear cut, but I know, I know this story isn't about Trump. Let's read about the Kente clause. Congressional Democrats attempt to look woke appeared to backfire on them Monday when a series of black Twitter users accused them of cultural appropriation. And there it is. (laughs) There's no appeasing the mob. Author Obi Anuju Ekiocha posted a video telling Democrats to stop virtue signaling by wearing African cloth in the Capitol. Here, here, I agree. 
Excuse me, dear dear Democrats, she said. In your tokenism, you didn't wait to find out that this thing you're hanging around your neck is not just some African uniform. It's actually the Kente material. The Kente belongs to the Ghanaian people, mainly the Ashanti tribe. (laughs) Excuse me, Democrats, she continued. Don't treat Africans like we're children. These fabrics and these colorful things that we have within our culture and tradition, they all mean something to us. I know you look at us and say, oh, Africans are so cute and all of your colorful dresses. Well, some of those dresses and patterns and colors and fabrics actually do mean something to us. Ekiocha went on to ask why Democrats were using the cloth for their own show of non-racism. She said, I'm sure someone told them that the fabric represents black people. But in true, in truth, a Nigerian like me cannot lay claim to the significant fabric, which is very much part of the Ghanaian identity. Dear Democrats, these colors and patterns belong to ancient tribes and mean something to us. Black commentator Hotep Jesus suggested Democrats were engaging in cultural appropriation. How is this not a cultural, cultural appropriation, he asked, alongside a photo of House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. There's <laughs> more. Frederick Joseph, a former surrogate for Elizabeth Warren, laid out a series of criticisms for Democrats. He took special aim at House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, who knelt in the Capitol Visitor Center while wearing the cloth. I'm going to tell my children, this is Nancy Pelosi, he said. If anyone can't understand why Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and them dressed up like they're trying to sneak into Wakanda is disrespectful and appropriative, you have a great deal to learn. Here's, uh, so there's more. Here's Ted Lieu. Others, including Fox Nation host David Webb, piled on as well, saying, when congressional Democrats virtue signal through cultural appropriation, David Webb said, isn't wearing the African scarves cultural appropriation, or are we past that? Angie Thomas says, Wakanda mess is this. Ooh, spicy. The kneeling served as an effort to memorialize George Floyd. And, and, and to an extent, I can respect that. But come on, man, you shouldn't be kneeling, please. It was, it was a display that everyone criticized. Conservatives criticized it and progressives criticized it, all right? The kneeling also referenced an ongoing protest trend hearkening back to former NFL player Colin Kaepernick and his demonstration during the national anthem. Pelosi said on Monday that members of Congress would be kneeling in a place where they typically recited the Pledge of Allegiance. Democrats unveiled sweeping new legislation Monday that, if passed, aims to increase accountability of police officers. OK, OK, look, I'm, I'm all about police reform. I get it. But let's get to the, uh, the, the spicy portion of this that you came here to, to read about. That's what they say. This woman says the Kente belongs to the Ghanaian people, mainly the Ashanti tribe. OK, well, I decided to look up the Ashanti Empire the Ashanti Empire. Maybe it's not the right thing. Maybe I'm wrong. It says the kingdom of Ashanti. And they have a special section they call uh, slavery. So let me scroll down here. They say this. This is the kente cloth. The traditional garment worn by the Ashanti royalty has been widely adopted throughout the Ashanti kingdom. Slavery. Let me, let me start with European contact. They say, actually, let me, let me zoom in on this to make it a little easier to read. European contact with the Ashante on the Gulf of Guinea coast region of Africa began in the 15th century. This led to trade in gold, ivory, slaves, and other goods with the Portuguese, which gave rise to kingdoms such as the Ashanti. On May 15th, 1817, the Englishman Thomas Bodic entered Kumasi. He remained there for several months, was impressed, and on his return to England wrote a book, Mission from Cape Coast Castle to Ashanti. His praise of the kingdom was disbelieved as it contradicted pre- uh, prevailing prejudices. Joseph Dupuy, the first bishop consul in Kumasi, arrived on March 23rd, 1820. Both Bodic and Dupuy 
secured a treaty with the Ashanti Heni, but the governor Hope Smith did not meet Ashanti expectations. It's actually really interesting because you can see that they had uh, architecture and things like that. They even had big buildings. Look at this. Before British colonialization, they actually had very large buildings. They had their own empire, as it were. And people, the, 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 the prejudices didn't allow for these people to believe it. Isn't that amazing? Huh? Well, the Democrats not realizing what they were getting into. Let me read you this. Slavery was historically a tradition in the Ashanti Empire, with slaves typically taken as captives from enemies in warfare. The welfare of their slaves varied from being able to acquire wealth and intermarry with the master's family to being sacrificed in funeral ceremonies. The Ashanti believed that slaves would follow their masters into the afterlife. Slaves could sometimes own other slaves and could also request a new master if the slave believed he or she was being severely mistreated, which is a really weird way to describe slavery. The modern day Ashanti claim that slaves were seldom abused and that a person who abused a slave was held in high contempt by society. They defend the humanity of Ashanti. Doesn't that sound a little familiar? A little familiar to people in this country who try to defend slavery? Yeah, slavery is indefensible. I'm sorry, man. People have, uh, in this country, our founding fathers believed that all men were created equal with certain inalienable rights gifted to them by their creator. And although it didn't necessarily reflect the society at the time, we strive to uphold those values today. So even yes, we can criticize the Ashanti tribe. And the Democrats want to wear the garb of this tribe, sure, fine, but at least look into their history. Because although it wouldn't necessarily be the same as, say, waving a Confederate flag, isn't it still kind of like that? You should pay attention to what you're doing, because as, as these other people said, for one, it's cultural appropriation, but also they don't realize what these things mean. Here's what they say. The favored arrangement, oh, here, British relations. Here we go. On, uh, no, 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 let's not read this. Let's, let's read this. The favored arrangement occurred primarily because of what some men considered their conflict with the matrilineal system. Under this kinship system, children were considered born into the mother's clan and took their status from her family. Generally, her eldest brother served as a mentor, particularly for the boys. She was protected by her family. Some Ashanti uh, men felt more comfortable taking a slave girl or pawn wife in marriage, as she would have no abusua, older male grandfather, uncle, or brother to intercede on her behalf when, behalf when the couple argued. With an enslaved wife, the master and husband had total control of their children, and she had no kin in the community. That's what they were representing? Okay, okay. I want to be fair, all right? I'm seeing the meme go around, but look, this photo here, image of Ashanti home in Kumasi before British uh, colonization, it's actually kind of impressive. There are many things that you can look at in this society and deem to be impressive and want to uphold as valuable and virtuous even. And there are a lot of really, really bad things they did too. The reality is the same is true for us. We can look back on the bad things and criticize them and not necessarily believe that those garments represent those bad things today. So even though the Democrats wanted to wear this, let's just be real. They had no idea what they were wearing. And the real offense they caused is cultural appropriation. I don't think anyone on the left is coming out and saying they were wearing the garments of slave traders. But the reality is they technically were. We don't look back on these symbols and say they represent exactly what they represented in the past. And we've got to be fair about that for a lot of reasons. You can argue the Confederate flag means something, but you can also argue it doesn't mean the same thing today. You can argue the same thing about the swastika, the original depiction of it from ancient, you know, East India, uh, 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 East Asian tribes and cultures, very different to what the, uh, what the Nazis did with it. You can take a look at the Gadsden flag. 
The Gadsden flag representing liberty and rejecting authority. But now many people on the left say it's actually a symbol of the far right. If symbols can be changed, they can't always just be negative, can they? But this is what we get from the mainstream media. They will tell you that certain symbols can never change. Then they'll tell you that certain symbols that once represented good things now must be evil because they changed. We can't have that, right? So listen, I don't know what this cloth represents. I think it was stupid for them to wear it. But this, this is too good. If you want to complain about symbols of the past and argue the Gadsden flag is actually racist, well, then I would argue so is the thing they, the Democrats are wearing now. So Democrats, next time you try to virtue signal, make sure you don't wear cloth that comes from an empire notorious for trading in slaves. Maybe you, maybe, maybe you can actually just try and be regular people, have real conversations, or maybe actually work on kitchen table issues that will actually help people. But I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Welcome to day, uh, I, don't, I don't know what day it is, of the Inquisition. We're in a new Inquisition. People are getting fired. People are getting purged. Everything seems to make no sense. And the latest thing that makes no sense, which just gives power to the woke ideologues, Thousands of scientists go on strike to protest systemic racism in STEM. That's right. Today, we must protest the racial institution that is science. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. More than 5,000 scientists and two prominent scientific journals shut down operations and pledge to use the day to address racial inequalities in science. Well, the crazy people are taking more ground. And it's funny because the left often argued that the right was anti-science. And sure, sure, that changed, didn't it? Now who's anti-science? J.K. Rowling made a post, I don't know if you saw this, where she was like, please respect my lived experience as a biological female. And they attacked her for it because they don't believe in science. They're creepy weirdos. Well, let's read the creepy weirdo story from CNBC. Thousands of scientists across the world stopped working on Wednesday to protest institutional racism, a strike that follows two weeks of demonstrations spurred by the death of George Floyd while in police custody. More than 5,000 scientists and two prominent scientific journals shut down operations and pledged to use the day to address how racial inequalities in science produce bias in research and scholarship and to focus on long-term plans to dismantle entrenched racism in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. Yes, yes, yes. The great racism that is math can't have two plus two. You know why? Racist. Quote, in the wake of the most recent murders of black people in the U.S., it is clear that white and other non-black people have to step up to do the work to eradicate anti-black racism. The website for shutdown STEM said, no, this is a cult taking over by forcing unrelated institutions to give them power and bend the knee. Listen, look at someone like DeRay McKesson one of the high, a very, very high profile Black Lives Matter activist, activist. And what you will see is the legitimate grievances that the real activists have. Unfortunately, his voice is being drowned out. Now, I haven't listened to everything he said, but he recently did a video talking about police reforms, police reforms most people agree with things like, hey, no chokeholds. All right. Hey, right on. OK, there are a lot of reforms that can be implemented to actually help people. This is exploitation of Black Lives Matter. And that's what we've been seeing with the woke ideologues who have infiltrated. And it's not just my opinion. We've actually heard from former Black Lives Matter activists uh, over the past several years coming out and saying this. Like, what does this have to do with ending police brutality? Listen, 
I don't like police brutality. It exists. I don't think every cop is bad. I think most cops are actually pretty good. I think a lot of people have negative experiences with police, and that makes it very easy for them to take things to a dark place. But I think it can, it can be fair to say that we can reform things in better ways, notably in big cities. And yes, that are run by Democrats. That's just reality. You're going to have to accept it. But when I see someone like DeRay, you know, again, one of the most prominent Black Lives Matter activists talk about reforming the police department. I'm like, I got you. I hear you. Sounds good to me. Then you get the weirdo saying abolish the police, abolish the courts. No, that is far left ideological nonsense, exploiting what Black Lives Matter was really about in the beginning. Now, I know some of you may argue Black Lives Matter has their stats wrong and there's there's more white people killed, things like that. Look, 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 look. It's not even about that. It's about if someone comes to you and says, here's how I feel, let's have a conversation and figure out why you feel that way first and foremost. Maybe they are wrong. Maybe they're not. But we got to have a real conversation about things. This is absolutely psychotic. Going to science and being like, you have entrenched racism in math, and that's got to be dealt with. What? (laughs) Math is racist? Oh, yes, because this is part of the critical race theory nonsense that has nothing to do with actual social justice. It's a manipulation to instill some kind of weird ideological revolution. And guess what? It's working and they're gaining ground. So let's start counting the minutes until I get banned. But until then, let's keep reading the story. Here's what they say. In academia, our thoughts and words turn into new ways of knowing. Our research papers turn into media releases, books and legislation that reinforce anti-black narratives, the website said. In STEM, we create technologies that affect every part of our society and, and are routinely weaponized against black people. Like what, dude? The overwhelming majority of technologies have benefited every single person. Sure, sure. Maybe you can argue like the invention of the taser was bad for certain people or something. But technology is neutral. It's how you use the technology. So please, Stop the nonsense. Can we please stop catering to this insanity? It's not real. They are just trying to bend institutions to their will. They say black and Hispanic workers are significantly underrepresented in the STEM workforce. In the US, only 9% of STEM workers are black and 7% are Hispanic. Well, hold on. Now I'll admit that is disproportionate. The amount, I believe the black population in the US is around 13%. And Hispanic, I believe, is much higher, but I don't know the actual numbers. It actually might be lower. 9% is only a little bit lower than proportionality. That's not bad. The, the, the bigger issue is, do they want to go into STEM? Are we talking about cultural issues? You can't just assume it's because people won't hire them. White people comprise nearly 70% of the STEM workforce and also have a higher median income than black or Hispanic workers. Well, hold on, man. The country is 70% white, isn't it? Like 66 to 70%. That makes sense. What doesn't make sense, I guess, is the disproportionate amount of Asian people. But it really does come down to choice, doesn't it? Apparently not to these people. Here, here we go. Dr. Nizreen Altwan. Start by replacing the words diversity and inclusion with equity and justice. What justice in, in jobs, man, is justice is when like someone wrongs you. Okay. Justice is when someone commits a crime. If you don't choose to go into this field, you are not being wronged by anyone. They're making assumptions about what things are happening. One research report shows that the already low percentage of black students who receive bachelor degrees in physics, just 3.5% has barely changed since 06, despite the number of those degrees doubling in the past two decades. Black representation among physics faculty is non-existent at most institutions, according to a statement on the event website, Particles for uh, for Justice, uh, on on the website Particles for Justice. 
It is widely known that black students often feel unwelcome, unsupported, and even unsafe in their physical departments and predominantly white campus. Now, this, I think, is actually a a much better argument than saying that the science, math, or whatever itself is, is racist. But the problem is, if you don't feel comfortable, why should anyone else change for you? That's the problem. If someone is breaking the law, if someone is attacking you and insulting you, that should not be allowed. But if you just simply don't feel comfortable because it's predominantly white, that's on you. So what do we do about that? I don't know. What can you do about that? I don't think you can do anything unless you have some kind of mandate or whatever. But the issue is, if there's not enough people going into these programs, you can't change this period. Listen, when it comes to social justice, we often hear from people that I don't like the way the world is. Therefore, the world should change for me. Or I feel a certain way about the world. The world should change for me. That's impossible. The world can't possibly accommodate every single individual person. But you can change and adapt to the system. If you have a problem with, you know, and feel uncomfortable, we'll speak up and I'm sure people will do their best to accommodate you. But if ultimately you don't choose to enter this field, it's no one's fault but your own. You can't you can't change these things. This is the problem. This is what equity means. They want equality of outcome. That can only be forced through authoritarianism. Opportunity is given to everyone, but if they don't take it because of cultural issues, it's just it's it's no one's fault but their own. It it, it really is unfortunate. Let's uh here's what they say. It is widely oh sorry, I read that. Jeff P says, not going to touch my research today. No meetings, no papers, no writing. Instead, for shutdown for STEM, shutdown academia, my first goal is to educate myself more on how my work is inherently impacted by race and how race underlies the history of science. It's a start. You know what, man? This is ideology. Okay, they are trying to alter history. And I understand there's arguments about history being written by the winners and things like that. But look, science has gotten us very, very far. We've saved lives. We've fed billions of people. We've gone to the moon. I think it's working out fairly well. What they're talking about is not an issue of science. It's an issue of culture, expectations, and racism itself. Anyone can be racist. And if you see a system that exists, that functions, that works, and you don't like it, make your own system. No one is going to stop you. If you don't like academia because of the, the, the racial makeup, well, then start your own laboratory. If the issue is you don't have the same resources, you don't deserve to just be just be given resources. If someone has built something over a long period of time, you don't have the right to go in and just burn it to the ground because you don't like what it is or how it works. If someone won't let you onto their tandem bicycle, it's not your right to say, well, then destroy the tandem bicycle and no one gets to ride it. It's your responsibility then to get your own tandem bicycle. You know what? Maybe you'll have to build it yourself. Apparently, this is something that goes over the head of many young people, which, is, which brings me to the bigger problem in all of this. It's not being bolstered by minorities for the most part. It's white progressives seen chanting in a park in Bethesda, Maryland. It's a bunch of upper class and upper middle class white people claiming they're fighting the good fight, when in reality, they're just, I don't know, weirdists, uh, weirdo cultists, weirdists. Sure, we'll call them that. Weirdo cultists. That's what I call them. They believe crazy things for crazy reasons, and they want you to believe it too. Well, you know what, man? It's only a matter of time. They've come for science. What's next? Yeah, well, don't say I didn't warn you, I guess. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next time.